is the system becoming more and more perverse or is it just business as usual? Talk about it next on Principles and Policies. Hi, this is Chuck Michaelis. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And um, I'm obviously by myself today because my, uh, my broadcast partner, Barry Sheets, has passed away. And while you folks hopefully were listening to the program last week, I was preparing to uh, um, give a eulogy at a memorial for my brother, Barry. And uh, if, if you're interested in reading that eulogy that I gave, it's on the Principled Policy website. And that's www.principledpolicy.com, principledpolicy.com. And uh, you can read the eulogy I delivered for my friend Barry Sheets. It was a beautiful service, um, a beautiful send-off for our brother Barry, who now uh, worships at the feet of his Lord and Savior in heaven, uh, leaving us here in this... uh, mortal coil this uh this veil of tears here to uh to go on without him and that includes his family so i would i would ask you please be in prayer for barry's wife two sons and daughter as they strive to continue on without him we know him as the leader of the institute for principled policy and uh, principled policy consulting and and those things but they know him as a father, and he was a darn good father, and he was a good elder, as a number of people from his church. Barry was the spark plug that kept the Pliny West Virginia PCA church running. Uh, long after uh, they couldn't get a pastor and a number of things, uh, Barry, uh, being the ruling elder, one of the ruling elders there, simply got up in the pulpit and exhorted every week. Now, what does that mean? In Presbyterian terms, exhortation is what uh, um, uh, the, let's just say the ordained lay people, that that would be usually the ruling elders and, and the, that kind of thing, the deacons uh, can exhort. But we can't preach. And what's the difference? Well, the difference is that preaching is set aside for men who are trained specifically in the pastoral and ordained in the the, uh, uh, office of the pastor. In Presbyterianism, there are different offices. Um, There are uh, different kinds of Presbyterians consider uh, different kinds of offices, but uh, um, in uh, Barry's uh, PCA and my OPC, we have two offices. We have the, um, well, we... uh, we have two offices. We have a ruling elder and a, and a teaching elder. And the teaching elder is, is trained in the Word. He is a professional. He has a degree in uh, um, theology or, you know, uh, something along that line uh, from a seminary. And the ruling elder is generally, um, he is a layman. Uh, there are ruling elders who, who have degrees in theology and degrees from seminaries and simply choose to act as a, uh, a ruling elder. But for the most part, ruling elders are men who are... Uh, th- there's a specific set of criteria. First Timothy lays that out um, very well. And um, I won't go into that. But the fact is that uh, uh, Barry kept that church going when they couldn't 
they couldn't find a pastor. It was a tiny little church. It was the oldest congregation in the PCA in West Virginia, I think. And it's a very old, old place. We used to joke. Barry, uh, people would ask him, well, Barry, how do I find your church? And he says, oh, we're really easy to find. Uh, drive uh, um, from Point Pleasant, drive south on th- Route 35, and we're the church with the uh, um, the adult bookstore in the front. And that was true. <laughs> there was an adult bookstore there. And Barry, when he perceived that they were doing something not legal, he wasn't afraid to call the police. And um, I, that made him very popular with the uh, the patrons there at the at the dirty bookstore. Uh, nonetheless, uh, I think the Pliny Church. I, I talked to some of the members, and I said, "Is the Pliny Church still operating?" And they said, "No, they couldn't go on anymore without Barry." And uh, so that that bespeaks his uh, uh, one of the many things that he did. So he he's deeply missed by. Uh, churchman he's deeply missed by his family he's deeply missed by people like us but we have to tread on so uh, but again uh, there are tributes out there um, I would uh, one of my favorites is uh, at the Center for Christian Virtue CCV uh, which used to be um, uh, oh gosh uh, now it's Center for Christian Virtue Virtue it used to be Citizens for Community Values but I, honestly, Center for Christian Virtue is a much better name, and it, it much more matches what they actually do, their mission and that kind of thing. So I would go out to ccv.org. Very easy to find, ccv.org. And uh, look under News. And if you look under News, you'll you'll see a listing for, um, well, let's see, if is that true? Uh, I think it's under News. Uh, in any case, look around, you, you will find a tribute to Barry Sheets. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Yeah, I'm right. It's under the news page. Uh, the release date is, uh, July 3rd and it's the day after Barry died. Um, Barry died on Sunday, July 2nd. And, uh, this, this is really, it's, it's an excellent, uh, it's an excellent tribute to him. Give some of his background and that kind of thing. Um, so go out there and look at that. Um, but be please, please be in prayer for uh, Barry's family. Um, you know, Ellen is holding up very well, his wife. Uh, and the kids are holding up very well, but it's difficult. His mother is taking it very hard. Uh, Barry was her only child. And uh, she's taking it hard. And apparently uh, she uh, um, d- uh, handles her grief by staying busy. And she's a cook, and uh, a professional cook. And um, she made uh, gluten-free lasagna and a strawberry shortcake that was second to none for the memorial service. So I'm sorry you missed that. Uh, the church where the memorial service was held there, uh, the uh, Heritage Baptist Church in uh, um, in Gallipolis, uh is much the richer for that because they ate leftovers for <laughs> for days after uh, um, um, you know uh, enough food was made that uh, for even more people than showed up, which was plenty of people. Um, okay, that being said, 
Uh, what's the subject today? Well, I want to talk a little bit about about uh, um, what's happening, first of all, with uh, um, Issue 1. Why, why am I talking about a perverse system in Issue 1? Well, Issue 1, uh, which is the special election in August, is actually correcting a... Uh, it's, it's to correct a mistake uh, in Ohio's Constitution. And what kind of mistake is it correcting? Well, it's correcting the the fact that um, uh, it's too easy to amend the Constitution by referendum in the state. Always has been too easy. Um, you know, um, it, it, all it requires uh, on a referendum vote. Now, if, if it goes through the legislature, it requires a supermajority to amend the Constitution. And then, then it still doesn't take effect like right away but in ohio the way it's set up it's 50 percent of the vote plus one this is how we got abominations like uh the um the gambling i don't know how you feel about gambling and that kind of thing it, obviously it's a problem uh how many years on and, you know, we have a lot of gambling pe people with gambling problems. It's so much so that uh, the gambling interests uh, are running advertisements telling people to gamble responsibly. I always laugh at that. Uh, gamble responsibly. What does that mean? Uh, take your hard-earned money and uh, take it down to the casino and throw it away. Um, uh, because the odds are always with the house. It never fails. I'll, I'll talk to someone. I won twelve hundred dollars at the at the casino on such and such a date. Okay, you did. You won twelve hundred dollars. How much did you lose? And how much did you lose in the time up to that point? In all the trips you've been to the to the casino, how much did you lose up to that point? It doesn't matter. I won twelve hundred dollars, and th that's kind of the prevailing attitude. You might have lost $3,600, but you, you got 1200 of it back. That's a terrible investment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I hate to tell you this. I just bailed out of a mutual fund uh, that I, I'm counting on for my retirement. I just bailed out of it because <clears throat> it lost one-third of its value inside three months. Well, how did it do that? Because it was a stock market investment. Well, what what has been going on with the stock market in the last few months? Uh, it's tanking. Um, mutual funds are especially rough hit, and and the, you know the problem with a lot of them is not all of them, and I'm no expert at this, but a problem with a lot of them is they'll lose you money, and then they continue to charge you management fees. Um, and so I took my money out of. Uh, out of uh, mutual funds, and I put them in an annuity. Now, I'm old enough that I can do that. I, I, my annuity will continue to accrue about 3%, 3 or 4% a year. Well, that's better than putting it in the bank. And right now, that's better than, than, the, uh, um, than putting it in uh, mutual funds, which are, uh, the, the payoff is minus money. So the problem with gambling is, who, there's a Latin phrase, qui bono, it means who benefits. Well, in any gambling operation, 
the odds are with the house. Sometimes on a ratio of three to one. What does that mean? That means for every one win you get, you have three losses. For every $10 you win, you will have lost 40 to put it put it mildly this is why gambling was outlawed by the way yeah some people do they have fun with it yes uh there were outlets for that um because it was more of a skill uh it became more of a skill uh situation with horse racing uh how, how do i say that you had good people who were good with math and knew how to look at a racing form, could pick who, who statistically might be more likely to win the race, all things being equal. Horse not getting uh, injured, um, you know, a skilled jockey, uh, or if you were into harness racing, uh, again, uh, the the uh the jockey the pilot of the of the sulky that kind of thing uh if you knew how to evaluate that it was much more of a skill game when you go to play poker uh there is there skill involved oh yeah uh i've watched those guys play uh but again is it fully a skill game and does the house uh win and remember the house, the house runs those poker games. So there's a, there's a skim off, but think in terms of, for instance, blackjack, um, the house is the dealer. You don't get to deal. And in poker at a casino, you don't get to deal. The house does. Um, and we've all watched those. I don't waste too much time watching that stuff. But the fact is that uh, um, the house has the advantage. So why, why am I going off on this? Well, I'm showing you that thing passed. And it was suspect from the beginning. It probably should not have made the ballot the way it was constructed. Nonetheless, it made the ballot. And it won with, I think, 51% of the vote. And that was after it had failed overwhelmingly vote after vote after vote after vote. This is why we need to protect our Constitution. It failed vote after vote after vote after vote because the vast majority of people in Ohio know that gambling is a problem and they didn't want that to be enshrined in their Constitution. What happened? Well, voters got fatigued. They kept every time they would run these these issues over and over and over and over. It's kind of the same thing with uh, uh, tax initiatives uh, in your local school district. They fail, they fail, they fail, they fail. The con schools continue to operate. Do they operate at, at uh, the, the level that they're trying to collect the money for? No, they don't. But they continue to... to Fail and fail and fail and fail. Well, what does that mean? That means they keep running them and running them and running them and running them. And it costs them money. Um, anytime a school district uh, runs a, 
a an initiative, uh, tax increase or a or a renewal or a replacement levy. Uh, and long ago we got into into what those things mean. Uh, bottom line is they always mean more taxes, even though they say this is not a new tax. You will find yourself paying more taxes, and there's a reason for that. We're not going to go into that. It's not our not our place today. Uh, where we're going with that. Um, the fact is they keep running them and running them and running them and running them, and they run them on special elections, and they run them on at, at uh, uh, any place where they think they can get an advantage. They'll keep running these things until they pass. Now, they'll keep laying out the money, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars per issue that they use of your taxpayer money to try to convince you to pay more taxes. That's the way this works. Okay. Now, that being said, um, in Ohio, we've always had this 50 plus one referendum thing uh, on on passage of a uh, uh, an amendment. Now, for instance, people will say, what about the marriage amendment? You guys got that marriage amendment. Yeah, we did. And you know what, what, what kind of margin we had? I think we had we passed with a 62 or 63% margin, which was more than enough to get past this threshold. So there is that. Um, th- there is a lot of nonsense out there. Uh, I just saw an ad by the ACLU, or no, the AFL-CIO, pardon me. The AFL-CIO saying uh, this violates the one-man vo- one vote um one man, one vote principle. No, it does not. It does not. It simply requires that a uh, people not be manipulated into uh, voting for uh, things that will enshrine in, into the Constitution based on an emotional appeal. And there is an emotional appeal behind us. Now, should this have been de- done much earlier? Yes, it should have. This should have been done decades ago. The legislature should have proposed this. Now, what has the legislature done? They have come out and endorsed it. They want to see the Constitution protected. They know that very bad things can happen with emotional uh, manipulations to get 50% plus one of people to come out in an off-year election, which this is, this is remember we're we're in an odd number year, which means this is an off year election, and the uh, the people who are trying to get certain things passed, which we'll talk about because it's part and parcel of what's happening here, uh, ran it on an off year on purpose because they want the turnout low. Why why do you suppose that places want the turnout to be low. Why would some place want the turnout to be low? Well, there's there's a reason that you want the turnout low. It's because you know you can turn out your faithful, the people on your side of the issue. The people on the other side of the issue don't really know what's going on. They don't understand the issue. They really, it's they're kind of, eh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, some of the emotional manipulation uh, you, you probably got, uh, many of you were probably manipulated. We talked about you earlier on at, uh, county fairs and, uh, anything public people coming around. Do you want to protect women's, uh, health was the push. 
to get a ballot initiative for November. And I think the ACLU just turned in turned in the the signatures. Well, what what this also requires, by the way, th- there were some odd requirements on, uh, for instance, ballot initiatives for uh, uh, constitutional amendment changes. You only had to get uh, X number of signatures from a certain number of counties. Ohio has 88 counties. You didn't have to get signatures from all 88. You only had to get it from, I'm trying to remember how many, a certain percentage of that. Uh, Sorry, I don't have that right in front of me. But uh, this thing will require that all ballot initiatives have signatures and a minimum number of signatures based on the number of registered voters in that county uh, from every all 88 counties. Which means you can't skip out on the, on the the uh, uh, well Gallia County, which has a very low population, low population counties, and some of the counties up in the in the northwest that uh, uh, farming communities where there, there just aren't that many registered voters, uh, not that many residents. Um, you could skip those counties, but you couldn't gather them all, like in Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, Youngstown, and Toledo. You, you just, uh, that was marked out, but, but you could get away with, uh, you could, if, if you were, uh, understood the demographics of a, a, of a specific county, you could go to that county and you knew where to go to get the, the minimum number of signatures you needed for that county. Now, anybody who's gathered signatures for anything, I, I worked on the marriage amendment in, uh, what year was that? Two thousand four uh i worked on that uh low these many years ago that's uh, barry sheets and i uh worked together through the institute for principal policy uh and worked together with uh, uh ccv at the time and uh, ccv as we mentioned before at the time was citizens for community values now uh center for christian virtue um we worked uh, together with a number of uh, life groups and name it. And a lot of conservative groups came out of the woodwork to work on that. And uh, we knew that we had to gather way more than the minimum number of signatures in each one of those counties. And we had to make sure that all the people were registered to vote. Because if you're not registered to vote, you can't sign the petition. Because they have no way of checking the validity of your signature. So we have no idea from these signatures that were just turned in whether they're going to pass muster with the Secretary of State regarding uh, the number of signatures required and whether it's an, it's enough of the uh, um, people registered to vote. Um, okay, that being said, it changes the rules for that. Like I said, you only have to get a certain smaller number than the total uh, right now, you under the new thing that we're voting on on August 1st or August 8th, uh, issue one on August 8th, it will require all 88 counties to submit signatures. And it also, re- you know, stiffens the requirements regarding uh, checking signatures for validity. Um, all this is absolutely necessary to making sure we don't have people who suddenly show up uh, 
claim Ohio residency, uh, sign, you know, people, people who were gathering signatures for this thing were professionals from out of state. Now, were there some people in state who were, who were, uh, gathering signatures? Sure. But most of these people were, were hired professionals. Some of them were paid well, huge amounts of money per signature. People were being accosted in gas stations. People were being accosted in bank parking lots, uh, grocery store parking lots. Uh, you may have been one of those people. Uh, interestingly, I was not. Uh, and, of course, uh, there was a campaign, refused to sign, um, that was out there. You may have heard of it. You may not. It, very likely not. The the <laughs> Depending on where you get your news. Um Let's just say that the uh, the all the uh, newspapers and the media outlets were not keen to uh, expose these things. Um, it had to be done by the alternative media. When folks, that's where you should be getting your news. I'm saying not exclusively, but the fact is that uh, um, places like uh, the local ra- uh, local radio and TV stations. Uh, a lot of the uh, producers and the reporters have a vested interest um, in not making sure you don't get all the information. Um, this this is the issue that's going on on a larger national scale with places like CNN, uh, places like NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, um, uh, a number, uh, um, many news magazines, um, which have, by the way, a lot of those have ceased publishing. A lot of newspapers are in dire condition. And the reason they're in dire condition is, A, people get their news like instantly now uh, through through media outlets. But they also, uh, newspapers are infamous for uh, having terrible, uh, biased uh, editorial policies. Now, uh you know, um, my uh, local paper here, the, we, uh, the Newark Advocate, which we refer to uh, disparagingly as the Newark Aggravate, um, has shrunk to the point where um, it, it's it's just a few pa- You know, it used to have a, one. Sometimes on a big news day, it would have two sections. We haven't seen two sections out of that newspaper forever. Um, same thing with the Columbus Dispatch. Um, or as the, as, uh, Barry always used to call it the dog patch. I always called it the debotch. Uh, he also called it the disgrace. Um, it, they've shrunk, shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. I mean, uh, one of the things they relied on for revenue was things like, uh, oh gosh, uh, ads, uh, you know, uh, for sale ads and, and, uh, job ads and that kind of thing. Gosh, nobody gets an ad through the paper anymore. Nobody buys anything through the paper anymore. That's that has deteriorated their revenue. You know, I, the last car I sold, I sold on Facebook uh, selling wall. So, um, you know, that's that. Uh, that's the way that goes. And things are changing. Uh, people are abandoning newspapers largely because of editorial policy, but also because you can get things online fast more people are online fewer people read the newspaper 
uh, and their editorial policies are simply the um, pouring salt on what is already an open wound in print media. Um, a lot of, uh, like Newsweek magazine. I don't think they print a magazine anymore. It's all online. If they're even online anymore, it, it's in bad shape. Um, Time magazine. Again, I'm not sure, uh, you know, if they're printing any, anymore. The, the way, uh, you know, demographics are changing and the way people get their news is changing. Um, and at the same time, what's interesting is, is that, um, supposedly conservative news outlets like Fox, I always laugh when people said that was a conservative news outlet. I'm like, eh, it's center left at best. The opinion people, the editorial side is conservative or was before they got rid of Tucker Carlson. The, uh, um, the news side is definitely biased left. Okay. That being said, uh, it's, it's in the interest of the news media to try to manipulate you into voting one way. This is why we need to protect the constitution because the media is manipulative. Uh, the faculties of schools and colleges are manipulative. Even, uh, gosh, even you, you could say that I am manipulating you right now. I'm trying not to be manipulative. I'm trying to give you the facts. But the fact is, I'm a partisan on this. Do I want uh, issue one to pass? Of course I do. And I'm not coming to you with the veil of neutrality. Because, folks, I can tell you right up front, the veil of neutrality, there is no such thing as neutrality. There isn't any such thing. Everybody has an agenda. Now, sometimes I'll approach a, a situation where I'm like, okay, I don't know exactly what's happening here. I don't have a firm grasp of this. Am I actually neutral? No, I'm looking to find the information I need to come down one way or another on a situation. That would make me, once I gather that information, that would make me a partisan, wouldn't it? Of course it would. And having an opinion on something that's well-formed and well-thought-out and well-researched is not a problem. And, it, and if you uh, come out to your own radio show or your own writings or whatever, and you express an opinion that, again, is well thought out, well researched, uh, this is why I, some, you know, uh, um, liberal websites, I will read why, because they're well thought out, they're well researched, I still don't agree with them, and I can possibly pick their argument apart and that's partly why i read it uh or listen to to podcasts or whatever uh but i'm looking for more information and sometimes uh there will be a gem that pops up out of uh, uh out of some of the things that are um you know written or talked about uh, on these things okay so let's get back to it issue one again are you being manipulated? Of course you are. Um, there are people out there and that one man, one vote thing there. There are people who are, uh, they don't want to talk too much about what issue one, why it's suddenly important. Why issue one is suddenly important because it is rather suddenly important. 
and we talked about this drive to get an initiative on the fall ballot. Well, the initiative on the fall ballot is an attempt to amend the Ohio Constitution for the purposes of enshrining abortion rights into the Ohio Constitution. Let's stop talking in in terms of rights. Abortion, there is no right to abortion. Rights come from God, flat out. Rights are are a gift of God to us. Uh, It's our liberty. There is no liberty to kill another human being simply by the fact that you are supporting the growth and development of that human being. So that argument is bogus. There is no right to wipe out the unborn. But that's not all that these people are trying to do. There are two major groups involved, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom and the Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. Basically, they're making it, they're talking mostly about quote-unquote women's health as if abortion is healthcare, which it is not. Abortion still leads to major health issues. Others have talked about that. Barry and I have talked about that many, many times. Uh, The fact is that uh, you can find plenty on the serious uh, biological indications for having an abortion, uh, one of them being breast cancer, and, and everyone denies this, and the fact is that the incidence of breast cancer and abortion is higher. That's not really where we're going. Where we're talking about is that this amendment would have far-reaching consequences because it just doesn't enshrine abortion into the Ohio Constitution alone. If that was all, but it was depraved enough if that's all it did. But one of the consequences um, that it has, it would obliterate limits to abortion or sex change surgery. Sex change surgery. Okay, are there limits on that? Sure there are. Because it is a, uh, it's an important issue and it's a health issue. But it's really a health issue for kids, for children. And part of what this amendment would do is wipe out the parents' ability to deny their children sex change surgery. Now, let's be clear about something. I am a biochemist. I have training in embryology many, many, many years ago. Nonetheless, developmental embryology is fetal development and that kind of thing. And I got my degree at Michigan State University, so it's not a fly-by-night. Uh, Michigan State University was a top-tier program. I was not a top-tier student. I've already told you folks about that. But that being said, sex change is a misnomer. There are people who actually believe that by undergoing the hormone therapy and the surgery that you can actually change someone's sex. You cannot. All you do is create a man or a woman with the other person's body forms. And really not in some cases, not particularly functional body forms. Now, I was uh, uh, made privy to a, uh, uh, for instance, this this is a, for instance, a a man who is looking for, uh, he he wants to uh, transition, quote-unquote, I always laugh about that phrase, transition. He wants to have himself changed into a woman, have a working uterus, a working woman's reproductive system implanted into himself uh, so that he can get pregnant and then have an abortion. 
Well, he's really trying to hit the trifecta there. Uh, if since we're going back to gambling terms, that we're uh, he wants to have all this reproductive um, um, uh, equipment transferred to himself so that he can get pregnant and have an abortion. Now, folks, that is the absolute depth of depravity. The absolute depth of depravity. I don't know how else to to examine it. But the people involved in trying to get this thing passed really want to be able to take your children, uh, say that they're having this gender dysphoria problem, which some kids have. Some kids have a gender dysphoria problem, which when you, uh, you know, you get them counseling and those kinds of things, they get over. They suddenly realize, no, they boys don't really want to be girls and girls don't really want to be boys. They thought they did. And this is what's happening when you're, you're seeing people who, who had the surgery and had their sexual organs um, essentially destroyed and artificially replaced with not really what amounts to non-functional organs are now saying how deeply they regret it and there's nothing they can do because once you take that step, you cannot go back. You have destroyed the distinctives of your gender, of your sex. Gender is a bad word. Gender is a word that has to do more with language than anything. Sex. If you are, if God made you a man, a male, and you decide you want to be a female, and you have all the the uh, uh, changes necessary physically to do that, do you suddenly become? a female you do not you can take artificial hormones and they will make it will make certain things happen until you stop taking the hormones you do not your body does not take over and continue to produce those hormones why because you don't have the genetic makeup for it you cannot change a double x into an xy and you cannot change an xy into a double x it cannot be done. You can't even do it, at least right now, and, and unfortunately this is one of the things that this will lead to. Uh, you can't even do it in development through genetic manipulation. When by that I mean uh, there are experiments going on all the time that are frankly Frankensteinish. Uh, they are doing things like uh, seeing if they can um, if they can change a double X into an XY or if they can can create a, 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 a polysomy in other words uh, give extra chromosomes on the 23rd pair because that that has effects on sexuality and development uh, not positive effects. Um, we've talked about that as well in pr previous shows. Um, and someday maybe you can talk me into, uh, into talking about that, uh, in so far as I can. But the fact is that despite our best efforts, uh, at, at, uh, laughing in the face of God and saying, Oh gosh, uh, you're, you're a double X and you want to be an X, Y. Well, we can give you the form. 
but you can't give the function. A female who has quote unquote transitioned to a male cannot be a father. Cannot. We've heard the news media saying stupid things, and this is part of what I talked about earlier, saying stupid things about men giving birth. Well, this man gave birth to it. You see, men can give birth. No, because the man who gave birth wasn't a man. He was a woman. <laughs> and I say he was a woman facetiously because th this whole thing about suddenly preferred pronouns and it's confusing. Of course it's confusing. It's supposed to be confusing. And the, these are the kinds of things that these groups, uh, Ohioans for Reproductive Freedom, Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights, the ACLU, they're saying that, that people have the right to become whatever gender, sex they want to become. No, they don't. God has set that path. Now, if you bring up the argument that uh, there are uh, people who have genetic anomalies that uh, give them characteristics of two different sexes, yeah, that's true. And you know what? It's ultra rare. It's ultra rare. Some of those uh, genetic anomalies you're talking about are actually fatal. Some of them are... Uh, uh, are terrible for the person who has them. And, you know, what do you do about that? That's a problem that, that the person should work out with their physician as an adult, not as a child. Does it lead to problems? Oh, yeah, long-term problems. Um, that's not the point. Here's the point. These people want you to spit in the face of God and they want to manipulate you into spitting in the face of God and saying, oh yeah, we, we want to enshrine the right for people who, listen, we've just come through a, a pandemic where people who touted themselves as experts in the field proved that they knew nothing about virology. They recommended treatments that killed people. They recommended a, uh, a, a quote-unquote vaccine that wasn't a vaccine. It was the gene therapy that, has, that the major problems that it created are just now coming to light. And why did they do it? Many of them became extremely rich. Now, how could that be? You didn't have to pay for your shots, right? Who did? You did have to pay for your shots. You did it through your tax money because the federal government did that. And I guarantee you that if it becomes a right, quote unquote, uh, a state generated right, uh, which uh, is an oxymoron, uh, to require you to allow your children to have uh, uh, their sex altered, uh, manipulated, altered, uh, destroyed, actually their sexuality destroyed, uh, you will be forced to pay through it, either through your own pockets, through your insurance, uh, your own pockets, or through your taxes, because that's what's going to happen. That's why we need to protect the Constitution from this kind of emotional 
manipulation because they are using emotional manipulation, calling abortion health care, calling trans, uh, gender, uh, sex change surgery health care, and demanding that you do this so your, you know, these children won't quote unquote kill themselves. Well, guess what? The suicide rate for people who have transitioned is tremendously bad. It's, I was going to say tremendous. That's got too obvious a, a connotation of good. It's tremendously bad. It's extremely high. It's higher than people who, who uh, have gender dysphoria and decide to kill themselves. Are there individuals who have mental health issues? around around this thing of course there are no one would deny that but the fact is that uh, you are being emotionally manipulated into buying the idea that oh you're going to save lives and you're going to save women's lives no you're not you're going to cost the lives of untold numbers of human beings who are being destroyed a in the womb uh against their will because by, by virtue of the fact that they are human beings and they are there's the, the uh, unviable tissue blob idea this simply doesn't work how how many how many uh, um, uh, cells do you have to have before you're considered fully human uh, what is viability except the ability to, to survive outside of the womb that's an arbitrary all those are arbitrary arbitrary definitions arbitrary methods of trying to choose when to apply something that should apply from the moment of conception some i somebody asked me once i asked them how many cells does it take and they go well i don't know how many cells do you think and i said one it takes one cell that has been fertilized an egg that has been fertilized by sperm and is now developing and is at the one cell stage that is a human being Yes, does it, does, is it sentient? No, it's not. Will it be? Yeah, in a very short time. Now, look, this this thing, we, we all worked on the heartbeat. Many of us uh, listening to this radio station worked on the heartbeat bill. What will this do to the heartbeat bill? Wipe it out. Oh, no, there won't be any restrictions on abortion, not under this constitutional amendment. So, again, I keep repeating this, but it, it is what it is. It's it's manipulation. Now, I'm reading an article from National Review, another magazine that doesn't publish anymore except online, uh, a quote-unquote conservative magazine. I don't think it is, but uh, they, they are uh, um, center-of-the-road, uh, leaning slightly to the right. Uh, here, here's something from an article uh, entitled, uh, Ohio's Disastrous Abortion Ballot Proposal. Headlines have largely framed the proposed amendment as a means of adding the, a right to abortion, quote, uh, they don't have it in quotes, I do, to the state constitution. But if it becomes law, the measure would go much further than these groups' collective desire to repeal Ohio's heartbeat law, which is largely what this is about, which generally prohibits abortion upon the detection of a fetal heartbeat, which is usually around six weeks while still allowing doctors to prevent the death or impairment of major bodily functions of the mother. The statute was blocked in the state's lower courts, and the Ohio Supreme Court is expected to decide its ultimate fate. Look, the idea that abortion is necessary to protect the life of the mother, okay, 
when treatment is issued, we've talked about this many, 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 many times. If a treatment is done where the mother is saved and the child dies, that's not an abortion. That is attempting to save both lives and one fails. Is that the fault of the doctor? No. Uh, the idea that somehow a woman can't survive uh, a pregnancy without the aid of, uh, you know, this having this abortion is in far too many, like 99.999%. Is abortion necessary occasionally? Probably. The baby will die anyway. Uh, for instance, ectopic pregnancies. Now, I, I know of a physician who specializes in uh, de delivering ectopic pregnancies. That's pregnancies outside of the uterus, and it can be done. Uh, there are others that are dangerous, and usually by the time they're discovered, those ones, the child has already died, so it's not an abortion to remove them. Okay, that being said, we, we, let's go back to this. The proposed amendment would outlaw virtually any restrictions on abortion and all other procedures, including sex change surgeries, that touch on reproduction for both adults and minors. Check that out, minors. That's your kids. It would cancel out not only parental consent laws, but also mere parental notification for minors' abortions or sex change surgeries. Strike down health protections for people of all ages who undergo these procedures, including requirements that a qualified physician perform them and erase any meaningful limits on late-term abortions. What do they mean by that, that qualified physician perform them? We've gotten to the point now where uh, certain kinds of practitioners can perform abortions in some places. Uh, nurses, nurse practitioners, even just technicians can do those things without a physician being involved. Uh, that the proposal's language is unconstrained should be no surprise. Its drafters want it that way. The coalition promoting it includes groups like the ACLU, that have taken extreme positions not only on abortion, but also on a wide variety of culture war issues. And beneath it all is an overarching hostility to parents who would disagree. Yes, that's true. Beneath it all is an overarching hostility to parents who would disagree, but mostly it's an overarching hatred of God and the fact that God is the one who assigns sexuality. Your sex uh, and God regulates sexuality, the use of your sex. He designed marriage to be between one man and one woman, hopefully, in most cases, with the uh, uh, generation of children. This is God's plan. It's not all these other things that are going on. It's not all this libertarian uh, freedom to uh, just decide what you want to do. Now, do I deny that there are certain things going on where people have a desire, a strong desire, a drive to be with members of the same sex? No, I don't deny that. What do I think it is? It's mental illness. And I know that'll get me in trouble. I don't care. Uh, Barry and I were very open about that. Uh, we continue to, to think that way. Um, 
And uh, hopefully I'm going to run out of time before I get where I wanted to go. But the fact is, beyond abortion, the text of the proposed amendment provides more broadly that every individual has a right to make and carry out one's own reproductive decisions, including but not limited to several categories, contraception, fertility treatment, continuing one's own pregnancy, miscarriage care, and abortion. Reproductive decisions, however, is a very broad term. By explicitly defining such decisions as not limited to the enumerated categories, the proposal establishes its scope as sweeping. That is true. The fact is, this is a, a, an attempt to stop all opposition to things which violate God's order and God's law. That's why it's not just about, about wiping parents out. It's about wiping out God himself from the process. Here's the, um, um, to go on in the article, a natural reading would extend to any medical procedure that involves the human reproductive system, including sex change surgery. The language also applies to individuals without any age qualification, so the proposal makes no distinction between adults and minors. Additionally, language would deny parents the right to any intervention on behalf of their ch children that would discourage them from obtaining the procedure in question. Here's a quote. The state shall not directly or indirectly burden, penalize, prohibit, or interfere with, or discriminate against either an individual's voluntary exercise of this right, or a person or entity that assists an individual exercising this right, unless the state demonstrates, the state, not the parents, the state demonstrates that it is using the least restrictive means to advance the individual's health in accordance with widely accepted and evidence-based standards of care. Ladies and gentlemen, I, need I remind you that in, starting in 2020, the quote-unquote evidence-based um, treatments and um, so-called preventative methods that were proposed were anything but evidence-based. It was theoretically based, and it turn, it's turning out that the theories were all wrong. We are seeing in this the ability for scientists to declare themselves to be experts and medical personnel to declare themselves to be experts and say your child needs a sex change that's what this thing will do legislators in over two dozen states are currently debating measures that would impose limits on what procedures could be performed to alter the appearance and sexual characteristics of minors to align with their identified sex instead of their biological sex Sexual identity is not tied up in gender dysphoria, a mental disorder. It's tied up in your sexual characteristics as assigned to you by your genetics, which is assigned to you by God. Uh, whatever their preferred policy, many people on both sides of that debate would agree that such procedures should not be performed on children without parental consent. I'll be quite honest, I don't think they should be performed on children with parental consent. I know that many of you will think that goes too far. I'm sorry. If children 
grow up and to become adults and want to mangle themselves, I'm not even sure that that should be allowed. But nonetheless, for the for the the uh, um, the sake of debate, I will say okay, I'll I'll let you go there. All right, uh, I'm going to run out of time here pretty quick. Uh, I'm I'm very close to the end of it. Why? What does this have to do with the uh, um, the special election on August eighth? If we don't pass the requirement for a sixty percent plus vote to change the constitution, then the legislation that I've just been talking to you about will very well. It, it's it's a toss up. First of all, whether it'll make the ballot, we don't know that for sure yet, and it'll be a while before we know that. But believe me, I've already seen the psychological manipulation on ads on YouTube. I've seen them uh, on television. People are uh, the the manipulation has already begun. People will be uh, it will be heavy on on college campuses. People will be encouraged to come out. Remember, colleges will be back in session in November. And if we don't change the law, that college students will be heavily manipulated. Why? Because they're under the influence of their professors who are, uh, in a huge majority, uh, ultra-liberal and uh, very libertarian-minded on this sex change and abortion uh, issue. Now, that being said, we have to pass this to make it far more difficult to manipulate enough people to vote for uh, the, this bill that will take away parents' rights. It takes away the children's protection. It actually takes away women's protection. It's, this will not be a health issue. Uh, it's an anti-health issue. And... So please, 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 you've heard me say this before. Please, 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 please come out and vote. Uh, Early voting is now. You can go down to your local board of elections and vote early and vote yes on issue one for the August 8th election. So I'm begging you, go either vote early. Uh, I don't. I'm not a big proponent of the early vote, but go ahead and vote early, especially if you think you might not be home on August 8th, or you might be on vacation, or you might get called out to go on somebody's boat. Go down and vote early. I'm, I'm actually preparing to go downtown and vote early today. It, it, voting, uh, early voting on, opened on July 11th, and my good friend Barry Sheets uh, uh, asked me to pray for him to survive until July 11th so he could vote. Uh, unfortunately, he did not make it. Uh, but he told me, all you had to do is listen to our podcast uh, that are at www.principledpolicy.com. You can hear him say, please come out and vote, <laughs> vote early. Um, that being said, uh, please vote August 8th or vote early. I'm, I'm imploring you to vote early. Go down and vote early for uh, or, or uh, request an absentee and vote yes on issue one. And then in the fall, if this thing makes the ballot, vote no on, on this particular issue that will uh, enshrine this uh, horrible manipulation of uh, 
children's rights, women's health, that kind of thing. Vote no on that. But vote yes on issue one on August 8th. Uh, that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.